We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a play-by-play announcer who loves to save money. And here at Progressive, it's discounts all day. The customer's a safe driver and nails over the discount. Signed up for paperless billing, and it's a discount from downtown. Insuring multiple vehicles, and kablam, shakalaka, fade away, cross-court, coast-to-coast, discount mania! Ooh, should we go to commercial? Wait, this is a commercial. With all kinds of discounts, Progressive helps you save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. And that day is February 10th, 2016. It's Wednesday. I'm DJ Trainer, joined as always by Josh Hayes. You can find Josh Hayes on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS. You can find myself at Trainer DJ. This podcast, as you probably already know at this point in the season, is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know we'd love to have it. You can also find it on the RotoWire uh, website itself. Josh, lots happening with your Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to keep this. 
um, from only being a Bucks and a Kings podcast because it is a national podcast. We have a national audience, international audience. Yes. I'm going to give you 45 seconds to rant about everything that's happened in the Kings organization over the last um, you know, couple months, uh, specifically the last few days. Um, and we're just going to kick off the episode like this. Uh, I know you're ready. You're born ready. You're probably talking about this in your sleep already. 45-second <laughs> clock starts now. All right. Well, first of all, I am overall glad that they didn't fire George Carl because it set such a bad precedent. It's like, you, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm also a Cleveland Browns fan. So it's, I don't need two of my teams with the quickest hooks in sports history for, for coaches. That's how you do the best you can to attract um, or not attract top coaching talent is by knowing that they, you've got they've got less than a year to implement their systems. So, yes, are they playing terrible basketball and they're in their losing streak? Yes, absolutely. But should George Carl have a longer leash than he's had? Absolutely uh, as well. They've battled a number of injuries and they've had some hard luck losses. So I'm glad they're giving one of the uh, the the, you know, a Hall of Fame coach more leeway uh, to sort of, you know, get get the ship righted. I don't think anybody should have any sort of confidence in how Corliss Williamson would somehow be a better option at this point. Uh, than George Carl. The only thing I would hope for if it actually happened is if they had Tom uh, Thibodeau in line because he's the, probably the, the best the best defensive coaching mind in the game, and uh, we have the worst defense in the game. Maybe with a, with a, with exception to uh, the Sixers, uh, who who I'm going to tell you right now, all bets are off the table for George Carl game five if he loses to Philly tonight. I don't care what happens. I don't care how many games <laughs> they've lost. So so there's that. Don't trade don't trade guys. Don't unplug the stuff. You know, let George Carl do his thing with with a roster that's built to compete and, you know, and evaluate at least at season's end. You can't give this guy half two halves of the seasons and just say, yeah, you know, not the guy for us. That's short sighted in my mind. So there you have it. A little longer than 45 seconds. But you know what? I'm a lover, not a fighter. Don't want to cut you off when you're on a rant. So good breakdown there from Josh. And of course, he did use the Royal Wii. He's a Kings fan. Apparently, he's a Browns fan, which we will we will go to therapy for that one other day. We um, don't. We don't need to. It's okay. this is NBA. <laughs> this is like Ken already feels uh, sorry enough for okay. me, and, and that's good, uh, good enough for me. Can we handle some quick business before we get into it? Um, uh, all the the, the 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 fancy goodness. Yeah. Uh, couple couple things off the top. First of all, um, big 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 congratulations to all the uh, Rotowire SFS FSWA winners. For sure. uh, uh, I think Ken Kreitz handed over the crown to uh, Chris Liss for best humor article. That is unfortunately the only um, one that I caught. And there was actually some stumping from Matthew Berry for Chris Liss to be in the FSW Hall of Fame, which I would a thousand percent wholeheartedly endorse and vote for if I had to vote myself. So shout out. I know that's a little patting of the back of our own uh, people here. But hey, it's our show. So we can do that. And they deserve the credit for for uh, what it's worth. So just a uh, great shout out to uh that keeping the uh, that title uh, in house uh, two years in a row, so very nicely done, and congratulations to all the winners uh, uh, across the board. Uh, the second thing we need to do is handle a little bit of controversy here. Okay, all right. Okay, so okay. you and I just here in the pre pre show, we're talking about uh, Waylon, and uh, I don't know if you want to call it Fergate. Or what, that, what's that is what we've been calling it actually. Fergate. So. Okay. All right. Good. I haven't been catch. I haven't caught up on all the podcast commentary, but I had. I do follow Waylon on Twitter, and I saw him sort of mini pouting about how people didn't respect his fashion forwardness, and you know, like he like sort of was a little bit, you know, miffed by the by the like uh, gallons of of haterade dumped on him for wearing fur in the, in in the roto office, <laughs> which I think is awesome, by the way. So if I, I wish I was there to help contribute my six ounces of Gatorade. 
Yeah, uh, I think it's it's uh, it's fair to give an update at this point in the year. Uh, of course, we're living in Madison, Wisconsin. You aren't, Josh, but the people here in the Roto office, including Waylon and myself, are. Very cold. It's actually the coldest it's been all year. That fur jacket is in full force. It's still out. Peer pressure from me and DVR and you and all the other people who really care about Nick um, didn't work. So we're still working on it. You know, uh, maybe one day we'll uh, have him see the light. I, you know, I don't actually want him to see the light, to be honest with you, because I think it's like if the guy has enough cojones to keep wearing it, he's like, bring the bullets. You know what I mean? He wants to he's saying, I'm walking in with my riot gear. You want to keep firing at me? Keep firing at me. So he must like it on some level. Uh, you know, you're right. He might like he might like the attention. If you have no idea what we're talking about, Nick Whalen, who hosts the podcast a couple times a week, one of our NBA assistant editors here at Rotowire, came into the office one day, just had a nice black jacket on. But around the rim of the hood, there's just a lot of fur going on. A lot of fur, a lot of fur. Uh, Me and DVR took exception because we're his (laughs) friends and we want the best for him. And, uh, you know, one day... One day we will prevail. Uh, that day is not today, unfortunately. So thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Uh, you know I love talking behind Wayland's back. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do. So, so quick run here, to, Oh, yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's where the controversy comes in. Okay. Oh, we're well, not done with this. Okay. No, all, all no. Right. Okay. I'm just, I'll wrap it up because I know it's getting long. Okay. Um, the controversy now has sprung up is which is a bigger, more controversial Roto Office debate topic. Uh, Wayland's fur. Or the actual true hair color of DJ Trainer. Oh no! Come on. <laughs> if you want more, if you want more on my hair color, Ken and Ken and Shannon decided to talk about that on Friday's podcast, and uh, I probably have red hair. It's probably, but you know, strawberry blonde is also a, a thing. What do you think, Josh? What color hair? Do I'm, I have? You know what? I can't tell DJ because the picture looks red, but then when I see, it's, it might be one of those like twilight things, where like if you're in the sun, yes. your hair just shines like diamonds, yes. you know, and then we can't actually tell here, you know. So for all we know, DJ, he's actually maybe pale enough to be a vampire, which is kind of cool because that gives like you know some actual some street cred, some office protection. I can basically trash talk whoever I want with impunity if dj is actually a twilight vampire so yeah i will say i'm very pale and and my complexion changes based on the season so maybe my hair does too all right let's those are all twilight characteristics by the way you just you just try you're like dj cullen is basically what we call you i have no idea what rabbit hole we just fell into or vampire (laughs) hole or slayer or whatever we're actually going to talk some basketball for the rest of this podcast i promise you i'm glad we started with the king's rant and and kicked it off with basketball uh just a quick rundown of the show before we jump into it josh um we're going to go over last night's highlights of course we go through the box scores talk about some things that we think matter and some things that we think you shouldn't overreact to then of course we'll go through some breaking news and notes before we do that though of course we want to give a shout out to our good friends DraftKings and you too can be a part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com the official daily fantasy basketball partner of RotoWire I know I played last night Josh and uh even though Greg Monroe was moved to the bench uh, I stuck with him because mm-hmm. I thought that a lot of people would stay off. But you know what? John Henson was out. Miles Plumley started for some reason. Yep. Um, but Greg Monroe actually had probably his best night uh, of the of of the season coming off the bench. What did you think about that performance? We'll just uh, I thought, jump I thought into was, that game first of all here. I thought it was a nice move. I, I mean, I think it would have been a little bit more interesting to see if actually John Hels- uh, John Henson was healthy and what they would have done. You know, else, uh, elsewhere with the rotation, but I like the fact that they finally decided to get somebody who doesn't want shots into the starting rotation to sort of alleviate the 
um, pressure of the workload and, and how that's been distributed. I don't know if, um, you know, MCW uh, for OJ Mayo was necessarily like a smart s- switch uh, either way. But you know what? For Greg Monroe's purposes, it actually worked and it worked fine because he wants to take a bunch of shots and he's still got a good, a good amount of minutes. So that worked out quite well uh, overall. And so, yeah, Jason Kidd is up to uh, doing what Jason Kidd does best, which is keep all the DFS uh, and uh, you know, f- Bucks owners in our in our fantasy leagues off balance, and for at least uh, Greg Monroe's purposes, it, it, I think it's worked out. Uh, so arrow up for him. It, weirdly enough, as a as a bench role, t- turns out to be like a uh, for the short time a, a more significant role for him. So I like it. Uh, uh, f- for the rest of them overall, I think you just you have to be a little bit disappointed about MCW because he know that he's not a a, a good volume scorer and any downtick in minutes because it's going to be a downtick in production and probably assist opportunities so that's a little bit concerning um but uh, aside from that i don't know what else you can say other than jared bayless i guess is sort of viable along with uh, oj mail since they're start- starting to get a little bit more run although oj didn't really do much in this game so um from that aspect uh i think we have some i guess some reason for optimism we can say here uh with you know milwaukee with that one point win against a very tough boston team and then on the boston side we didn't really learn much you know you just you know what you know about the guys that are trustworthy like that like isaiah thomas and you know and they have the same sort of um it was nice to see jay crowder bounce back with a nice performance there 18 and 5 with two assists he had been struggling i think he said he's been battling a high ankle sprain which sort of explains the downturn in production and then you know amir johnson jared solinger a linic uh, you know, Evan Turner uh, played 30 minutes and, and got ten, 10 assists, which was uh, sort of impressive, but didn't really do much else uh, aside from the assistant and the rebounding. So, I mean, he had a nice little sneaky roundabout weird weird game, but you still hate the, the Boston front line and you still don't understand what's happening with Jabari Parker. So that's the way I can sort of frame that aside from uh, the adjustments that the Bucks made. Yep, all things we've talked about many times over the course of this podcast and this season. Situation still kind of stays the same there with Jabari in the Boston front court. Uh, one thing I'll say just about Monroe, and we'll move on since we've got a, a few items to cover here, Josh, um, is that sometimes a move to the bench is, is just more of a motivation factor than anything else. And so Monroe is averaging 30.4 minutes per game. And you know how many minutes he saw last night? 30 minutes. And so if you were an owner of him or were considering him d- for DFS purposes, he played the exact same amount of minutes. It doesn't matter if they start, if they come off the bench, as long as they're seeing the same time on the court. And like you said, MCW, who's averaging about 31 minutes a game, saw 26 off the bench last night. So concerning for MCW, maybe not so much for Greg Monroe. Of course, when you have Miles Plumley and John Henson as your other two options, not really two guys that are going to see a whole lot of minutes on the court, uh, for better or for worse. And if you want more talk on that, just pretty much rewind every episode me and Josh have done this season. We, <laughs> we, we really get into that, um, as we should. But Bucks get a great win, 112 to 111. Dumb mistakes on both sides. Bucks come away with a win. Celtics still trending upward. And le- yes, like you said, Jay, Cow- Jay Crowder has been dealing with a high ankle sprain over the last three games now. Um, so if you're a little worrisome about him, don't worry. One more game tonight on this Wednesday, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday. And then he gets nine days rest for the All-Star break. Shouldn't really be an issue when he comes back. So he's playing through it because he's a tough guy. And uh, we'll keep playing through the game slate here. Moving on to probably the second best game of the night, um, or what we thought would be. It turned out to be a snoozer. The Spurs come away with a very solid win without Tim Duncan. 119-101 over the Miami Heat. 
I mean, if you were watching this game like I was, Josh, one thing that I just cannot get over with is that how the Heat fans show up 30 minutes late and then they're out the door 45 minutes early. Uh, this game was was pretty boring right from – you know, Miami pulled out to a lead in the first quarter, but after that, San Antonio pulled away. Anything from this box score besides the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge continues to excel when Tim Duncan is not playing? Yeah, it's for for me, I'm just a little bit, um, like, so, sort of surprised by the fact that um, San Antonio was able to score at this forward farm because they're not a 119 uh, total team. So, uh, like you, and you, you know, Miami actually plays snail pace and they had Hassan Whiteside back in this game. So, um, I was a little bit surprised, although Hassan Whiteside did come off the bench for what it's worth. But, I mean, you know, he still was was decent two blocks 14 points he wanted more rebounds than he got but you know spurs are are a solid rebounding team overall what i what i want to do here dj is sort of give my myself an opportunity to pat myself on the back for one second and right. say <laughs> Go ahead, remember, sir. <laughs> remember the the marcus aldridge debate that we had uh, earlier on the season oh. about <laughs> I'll keep how, going I'll, I'll come back at you in a second but go ahead and give me your case okay I'm just saying hey the scoring average is up the the volume is up they're they're sort of I mean the guy he took 16 shots and maybe this is sort of related to Tim Duncan being out of the lineup which which makes some sense but look at these game logs for him 28 26 then 14 against Dallas 36 28 then 15 then 25 so he's had a couple duds in there mixed in between but you know uh the scoring average now is is ticking up to 16.9 per game i'm just saying trending 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 in the right direction sir okay here's the thing when tim duncan's back in the lineup they're going to go back to a uh, a dynamic that allows timmy to pass it around a little bit i think Kawhi is going to start to play more so like he did at the beginning of the season so the funny thing is here um on the xm show i mentioned this with dvr yesterday morning i'm not sure if anybody caught that or we're just talking to thin air um, but the funny thing is since tim duncan has been out aldridge's numbers have been on the rise uh-huh. and Kawhi leonard's numbers and production has been down low so yep. There's a there's a correlation there one way or another. Uh, I think um, I mean I'm not surprised, Josh. Like we knew Aldridge would do this at some point, but I think sure. in the long run, it's just uh, the Spurs don't even have to do it. You know, they can spread the ball out, still win games. They don't necessarily need to rely on Aldridge. But I tell you what, what a great signing by them. He's essentially carrying the team on his back um, since Duncan has been out, and so it, you know, just such a smart decision. But uh, yeah, if you want to pat yourself on the back, I'll be right there patting it along with you. But I think when Duncan comes back, we won't see the same type of production out of him. That's that's for you're probably right about that situation. But you know what? We also have no more Manu for quite some time there as well, which should also help uh, hit, uh, my cause for um, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge at eighteen and a half points per game. I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, let me ask you one thing. I've I've had a lot of people in the office, outside of the office, uh, ask me about Danny Green with uh-huh. that injury to Manu, and wh- I don't. I mean, Danny Green is 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 playing a little bit better since Manu's been out. Understandably so. He's seen more minutes. But do you think that he realistically sees a major bump in value with Manu being out? I really don't think so. I just don't no. think the Spurs are the type of team and he's the type of player where that, you know, uh, that absent really elevates Green's value. I think those shots go to the, the, the two better players on the team and to a lesser extent, Tony Parker, um, before they get over to Danny Green. So Danny Green maybe gets an extra shot or two, but Danny Green's not all of a sudden going to transform him in his game into Manu Ginobili, which is like, you know, driver, you know, uh, six man take. Uh, you, you know, shots, you know, from anywhere on the floor, get to the hole, pull up for 15, shoot a three. He will shoot the threes, but that's really, he just doesn't have the same sort of like ball handling and skill set that applies to, to um, Manu Ginobili. Now, Manu Ginobili, any given night can be like the leading assister 
for that team for that team the, the way that he plays. You know, uh, I just remember like sort of comparing him to Tony Parker and DFS on some short slates in consistent spots with the Spurs. And there were times where I would actually have like Tony Parker and Manu available. And I took Manu for more assists because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's sort of where he um, had available, uh, you know, in terms of the the, the level of production in the game logs. So I just don't see the the, the role necessarily changing. Maybe he gets a couple extra shots, but I don't think he's going to transform his game into Manu. So. Mm Yeah, uh, one thing I would say, if if you're going to find any correlation in terms of within the same position, mm-hmm. uh, I would say Jonathan Simmons is probably seeing more minutes on the court, and Jonathan Simmons is getting a little bit more of a bump. Um, only in terms of playing time, though. Again, the Spurs are such a fickle team that you're not going to see a huge jump in uh, production when when one player goes out anywhere else besides your you know your top guys to begin with. So Simmons has played you know at least 23 minutes over the last three games, but he's having point totals of eight, nine, and ten. So Spurs are just not that type of team. Um, we're going to move on here, Josh. Unless you wanted to say anything about the Heat specifically, um, n- not necessarily. I mean, you you got you got uh, Hassan Whiteside back, as we mentioned. Dwayne Wade still doing Dwayne Wade things. So it's a little bit surprising that he didn't come up with a rebound, but um, you know, 20, 20 points, five assists. Chris Bosh still getting a uh, you know a good amount of volume overall. Uh, a little bit disturbing that he had seven ten turnovers, but you know you got Goran Dragic back in there, sort of doing just enough to make you upset as an owner. You know, ten points and six assists, which is he's been alternating between all season long and Luol Deng. Still, he's like the Jabari Parker ten years later of of this roster. You know, like has enough skill set to be more valuable than he is on a bad team that doesn't need him to to take any more shots. So uh, there you have it. Based that that rotation is essentially intact for for what they've been throughout the season, with the exception of Whiteside, who will quickly bump Amari out of the lineup once he gets healthy and ready to go. All right, so let's keep it moving. Yeah, Amari, uh, 13 minutes. He started last night. He's just not going to get you what you want in terms of DFS production. I know he has a lot, a low price out there on DraftKings especially, but uh, he's just not quite equipped to play to major minutes. Since he started, I don't think he's played more than 25 minutes in any one game yet. So uh, you got to cool your jets. Whiteside is still the major play there. It'll be nice when he moves back into the starting lineup. A game that flew way, way under the radar on yesterday's five-game slate was the Washington Wizards beating the New York Knicks 111-108. to Actually turned out to be a pretty competitive game. If we're looking at this Wizards starting five, uh, 14, 13, 14, 28, and 26 for your starting five as Bradley Beal jumps back into uh, the mix there. Otherwise, off the bench, you're not getting anything from anybody. Four, seven, and five is what they got off the bench. They still come away with the win. How do you feel about Mr. Bradley Beal? Not even so much for, well, I do want you to say for the rest of the season, but maybe in a dynasty format even. You know, we have these shin issues that continue to come up. Something he says, I don't think I'll ever be able to play a full workload of minutes and for the rest of my career. On and on it goes. What's your pulse on Bradley Beal? I think Bradley Beal needs, needs to calm down. I mean, I, just because he stayed at a Holiday Inn Express doesn't know doesn't mean he knows exactly what's going to happen with his shin for the rest of his career. Okay, <laughs> like really, like you just know for the next ten years your shin's going to be in pain. I mean, like I get it. I mean, and if his shin's going to be in pain and he's going to go for twenty six uh, a, a night and five of eight from three and chip in with you know four steals and three rebounds and two assists, let him be in pain. For the rest of all time, I say. Uh, so there's there's one thing. Okay, two. Um, 
more than likely he's going to be a guy that's that does this throughout his career a good solid shooter shoots very well from outside can score inside and outside and going to be the solid number two option for as long as he stays in washington which is a good bet that he doesn't resign because they value him and they know how important he is to their level of success so i think if you own bradley bill you're getting what you paid for now but you're going to have to you know, suck up the whole injury issues that he's had throughout his career. If you want to trade him for somebody like a comparable value, like I wouldn't mind looking for somebody like a Chandler Parsons, who I think would be, you know, comparable and does have a little bit of injury risk himself, but a little, maybe, um, uh, you know, a little bit less of a track record. I think Chandler Parsons is actually going to be on the guy on the upswing here. If we were talking about dynasty swaps here, because Dirk Nowitzki is not going to be on this team uh, pretty soon. And then, then the uh, overall upside and value um, ticks upward for Chandler Parsons. So versus you're getting what you can get out of Bradley Veal and you just have to deal with the injuries. Good so point. that's one, yeah, one good, thing. Yeah, good point there. I um, want to do a quick little wa- uh, Washington Wizards promo tie-in for rotowire if we can i know this is it seems like we're going promo heavy with everything but go for so, it something that's new and cool that's happening is uh, we benny and, and i uh benny ricciardi who's my co-host on the rotowire dfs podcast have uh successfully talked um the um heads at rotowire to letting us um re um reinvigorate re re um i don't know um what's the word for like rejuvenate revitalize yeah revitalize rejuvenate bring back from the dead the ro- the official rotowire tv youtube channel so what we're doing is we're recording our podcast on google hangouts and maybe this is something you can consider too i don't know if you this actually takes extra time by the way as well so maybe it's maybe not the most practical thing but something that benny and i have committed to doing and we actually have the thursday edition of the podcast you know as we as we do with all the dfs podcasts we recorded 36 hours in advance to give people more research time which no other site anywhere in daily fantasy or fa- or fantasy period does does everybody puts their information out in their articles out same day all right we do our podcast a day in ahead so when lineup locks you can listen to the show and do your research for the next day um so um that's what we do and now if you want to get a peek sneak peek at the at that stuff yes the, the show for, thir- for thursday is up on the official rotowire channel on youtube you just have to search rotowire it comes right up you'll see my mug like with me like looking like i'm about to pound the fist on my desk or something like that um and and we'll still have it all in good old uh, podcast format as well so it's up on the on the podcast feed it's in your stitcher and your itunes feed and it's up on the official rotowire youtube channel as well so enjoy subscribe and we definitely appreciate any feedback you have very cool. I didn't know you guys were doing that, so that's awesome. I will say the the how I want to do it uh, the first time I do it, if we do do it, is I don't want to like have me and you, like you and Benny do. You have split screen or however you do it. Mm-hmm. I just want to be like try to wedge my way into your picture, and we can just do like in the same fr- in front of the same <laughs> camera, and, like a, like a little cramped closet or something like that. And we try right. to record a podcast. We're like back to back or something because that's the only way. And we're both like turning to the side, like an like an eighties photo shoot of you and your little <laughs> sister or something like that. You know, it's funny that you say that too because I was just having this talk with with uh, with K Train, um, and it. It wasn't really related to this i would i think i sort of said this to him though because we were talking about like you know working more hours and you know you know it maybe it'd be different if i was in madison and i was like you know what if i was single and you know and i had the same situation i didn't have married with two two little babies and stuff like that um and you know trying to get cl- move closer to family i would just go move to madison not care about anything else and go live in dj's closet you know, and just, um, you know, not care about how much I made or where I lived or whatever and just, you know, do fantasy work 80 hours a week. I don't care. 
do I'll do anything, you know, but now I've got to sort of juggle two jobs and two babies and all that stuff. So it's a little bit different, but in a different life, I could be living in your closet and we would totally be able to make that whole wedging into one camera thing happen. <laughs> hey, don't say in a different life. I'll make that happen next week. I'll get, <laughs> I'll get you a plane ticket for you. We'll pull you out here. Um, there's no good transition here, so let's talk about Kristaps Porzingis. 20 okay. points, five rebounds, three assists, three blocks. Last week on the pod, or maybe it was two weeks ago, or maybe it's every single pod so far this season, you have been clamoring for him to get more rebounds. Five no. last night. Is that good enough for you, Josh? No, no, no. You're 7-3. What are you doing? I know you hang out on the wing, but you know what? You had a, like a, a legitimate shot against a team that isn't uh, like terribly strong in the rebounding department in Gortat and whatever the heck they're doing at you know power forward with Jared Dudley now and Nene Hilario and Kelly Oubre. Uh, whoever is getting minutes in that front court is not a consistent rebounding producer. They had one guy in double-digit rebounds, and that was Gortat. So Porzingis could have completely dominated this game from a board perspective. Somehow Carmelo Anthony c- comes up with 13 rebounds, and the seven foot three guy comes up with five. I understand Melo played like eight more, eight nine more minutes than him, but still, you know, that's one part of his game that he has to revitalize. I always sort of compare like power forwards to Chris Webber, and I know that's sort of like a little Sacramento Kings, you know, love fest type thing. But in all honesty, the guy. Um, is a great commentator on TNT, and he was like, "Listen, if you're like, if you want to be an all-star power forward, and I, Porzingis absolutely has that upside, you need to be a double-digit rebounding guy. You should be a lock for double-digit rebounds in every. You need to double-double every night, almost every night. And he's and he would double-double every night with five assists, and especially that one season where he was." I think second or runner up for, or, th- or third for MVP in the league when they had that, that run uh, and they lost to the Lakers uh, in, the, in the Western Conference final. So and I absolutely believe that anybody who's worth their salt at the power forward position should be a double double machine. And Porzingis is not that. So here's here's my take on that because we've talked about this in the past. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I think you're right. I'm coming around to it. He's a power forward, 7-3. He's tied for being the tallest guy, one of the tallest guys in the league. Five rebounds is, for all the reasons you said, is somewhat unacceptable. One thing that he's been frank and honest about is that he's kind of tired. I mean, he's hit the rookie wall. You have to imagine at the end of games or whatnot, you know, he's he's feeling it right now. It, it might take him a year, a year and a half or two, or or just a really good off season before he comes around to what it takes to be an NBA player night in and night out. Now, a lot of people listening to this podcast and me and Josh yourself, um, I'm not sure if you've ever just played rec ball or if you've played pickup games or something. Um, wherever you've played at the Y. And, you know, in that last game of the night uh, mm-hmm. or what, what might have you, the first thing for me that goes, and maybe I'm just not the same, is that if I have to exert energy, or exert energy, I, I'm just going to like not crash the boards like I usually do. And I kind of wonder if he's kind of dog tired in games. And the mm-hmm. thing in him, his game that goes is him crashing the boards where he's kind of relied upon on this offensive side of things for the Knicks. And he's saving up his energy for that or trying not to get made look stupid by whoever he's guarding. And so crashing the boards has been the result of him just not quite being ready night in and night out from a physical standpoint. You know, I, I, I understand that from some aspect, but here's my thing. The guy has been playing pro ball, what, at least until 16 in the Euro League. okay? Well, they only play 30 games a year. I don't think I, they ever play more than 40. 
I understand that. Okay, that's fine. And you had all summer to improve and work on your conditioning and understand the fact. And I know that he asked them to put on weight, which is sort of a tough thing when you're trying to condition there as well. But you know what? When you're 7'3", the ball will find you if you're in some sort of position. That means he's like consistently, consistently out of position if you only come up with five rebounds. You don't even need to get off the floor. Just put your hands up and be in a spot. Put a body on a guy. And I don't think that's really something that's happening to, for him on a consistent level, especially when this, the smaller Carmelo Anthony is coming up with something like 13 boards. So I don't know. He can do better than that. I expect better than that. you know. And if Jalil Okafor, who's known as a terrible rebounder, especially for you know another guy in the top five in the lottery, is you know averaging uh, more rebounds per game than him, that's a problem because Philadelphia 76ers fans hate him as a rebounder. I don't know. I have this on good authority for season ticket holders. And you know that's that's sort of a, a a negative factor the upside of it is you know rebounding that's something that you can sort of fix but he has to be able to put in the uh the you know the effort and um he has a lot of time to improve so i, I can i can buy into some of the you know uh you know i'm hitting the rookie ball ball type type deal but when you're on the court uh that has to be something that can you know really help out the new york knicks because he should be the he should be their leading rebounder is it should be him or rollo and rollo isn't getting the nearly as many minutes as he is so there you have it um yeah no i i agree with you um i will say that there is room for improvement we should you know look at some things that need to be improved in his game and i think a lot of people are focusing on all the positive aspects but there are some glaring errors like this he is averaging 7.7 per game which isn't terrible but again he should be a double double guy easy he should be averaging a double double you did mess up one thing there josh in that in that most recent uh soapbox there you said sixers season ticket holders and i think mm-hmm. it's actually season <laughs> ticket holder they right. only have one. They only I do know one. of two. That's that's a oh, fallacy. I, wow. I know of two. Yes, I do actually know of two. All right. uh, so, and they invented their frustrations on in, in a very public way. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You're probably right. There isn't. Maybe there isn't more beyond two. It does sound like I am stretching the truth. Maybe they've actually gone down to like a half season ticket package since then or something. I don't know. Hey, man. I'm the I'm the first to admit I did it a couple weeks ago. They're kind of a fun team to watch now. Ish Smith. They've got a lot of young, versatile players. Mm-hmm. Um, high flying dunks. I like watching them. They're aesthetically pleasing, and I and I truly mean that. Um, a couple teams that. Uh, uh, went into overtime last night. Utah Jazz 121 get a nice victory on a buzzer beater over the Dallas Mavericks 119. Of course, from a DFS standpoint, you love overtime games. That's that's what you're looking for. Um, but in terms of the box scores, you didn't really see that massive output that you would hope an overtime good overtime game would. Besides mm-hmm. maybe Rodney Hood, who came away with 29 points, five rebounds, and five assists last night, Josh. Yeah, you know what? I'm a little bit mad. I, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Because I had um, shares of Raul Nato, who, first of all, I feel dirty for even playing him. Um, but, but, you know, that's sort of the salary sacrifice I had to make to try to cram, um, you know, John Wall in my lineup along with Curry and Harden, which I was actually able to do, believe it or not. Um, and uh, I had to make some sacrifices, and I needed a Nato to, to get more minutes than he did. He was fine on like a per-minute uh, you know, basis, but he played zero of the, any of the overtimes. And I had Derek Favors who started to salvage some fantasy value thanks to overtime, which was nice. But I really did. I was actually, I finished like 14th in one of my uh, GPP, smaller GPPs. And I was sort of in the mix to crack the top 10 if Gordon Hayward does not hit that step back fadeaway and they go to triple OT. 
which is I know it's asking for a lot, but that's what we do. We're greedy when we're playing DFS and, you know, you're like, oh, give me those extra points, you know, so a little bit mad at NATO, uh, a lot mad at Gordon Hayward and slightly mad at Derek Favors, who, you know, did 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 me a solid by producing in, in over in the two overtimes. Neto, uh, but Neto is the worst starter in terms of just producing anything points yeah. assists rebounds in the entire league i i i he is just me i feel dirty even to, even talking about him i was actually calling people like, like it just quietly to myself like fishes when i was like reading content and seeing people who played netto like earlier in the season and then i was like oh my god i'm a, i'm an ab- i'm an absolute traitor right now cuz i'm playing him tonight well you had and, you had good reason um yeah. i still did not jump on that bandwagon and i didn't use him whatsoever because trey burke was out last night we know alec burks is out dante axum of course is out so what you had was eric green come in and play solid minutes the thing about netto on top of the fact that he's just going to be a stick in the mud and not really assert himself what Whatsoever. He's just trying to essentially just make it so Utah Jazz physically have five players on the court at one time. That's his role is just uh-huh. to fulfill that. Um, the problem on top of that is that Rodney Hood and Gordon Hayward and even Joe Inglis at times, they can bring the ball up and dish it out and get the offense initiated. So there's just not a love to, lot, uh, to like about Neto. And the funny thing is that when you know Trey Burke is going to get healthy, Alec Burks is healthy, and Dante Exum is back, Neto might not even be active in the future. If, the, if he's still on the team in the next couple of years, he might not even be wearing a jersey. That's, I mean, that's what we're dealing with here in Utah and how desperate they are in need of a point guard i i hope that they go out and get a point guard because i think the rest of their positions right now are pretty good and over the next couple of years if they can really find a good point guard talking jeff teague something like that if they could figure out a way to get him in utah it's gonna be a very good team over the next few years yeah i i, I could see that uh, as a you know a, a potential um like quietly viable option in this spot here you know what i what i also want to say um about this here is you know just quickly touching back here on the on the uh on the utah jazz uh rodney hood is a cash game monster right now in dfs and he's in uh, like like the guy took 26 shots and gordon hayward took 20 and so they this is sort of why you haven't been as happy as you might have wanted to be with rudy gobert and you know where or you thought Derek favors was going to bounce back in a really big way but when you have rodney hood just gunning away and you know he and he leads all scores in this game with 29 in the spot you need to start taking notes and paying attention uh to that overall so i think we're, we're getting to the point where rodney hood's starting to come into his own and be really aggressive on the offensive end because they're isn't somebody like that aside from Gordon Hayward who wants to take a ton of volume of shots on uh, consistency. Derek Favors for like his entire career has been like almost happy averaging 16 points per game, you know, and I thought he might level up to the next level this season, but now it's Rodney Hood who's stepped on the next level. He's uh, Rodney Hood also, by the way, has added 12% onto his free throw percentage, just 3% um, at the line behind Steph Curry, something that's like not talked about and a little bit underrated. So r- love me some Rodney Hood. Yeah. And I think the, the upcoming of of Rodney Hood is might pose problems for the long-term viability of Alec Burks or Gordon Hayward in Utah because with Rodney Hood coming along just fine it might make trading one of those guys to get a point guard like I was talking about more of a viable option. Alec mm-hmm. Burks would be a great six-man off of any bench in the NBA. He's very good at the six-man role. Gordon Hayward, if he's the third-best player on your team, you're probably a championship contender. If he's the second-best player on your team, you probably have a pretty good team too. So a couple things uh, to break down about the Jazz there. Good talk. Uh, let's move on to the final night of the game here, Josh. 
Probably the most anticipated game of the night. The Warriors end up winning 123 to 110. They they jump out on fire 42 to 27 in the first quarter, but then the Houston outscores the Warriors uh, 39-27 in the second quarter. So this one actually ended up being somewhat competitive. Um, on the whole, with uh, with James Harden, kind of a game-time decision with that hand injury, did you shy away from using him at all, or did you shy away from using the Warriors at all because you thought this might be a blowout if Harden wasn't going to play? Actually, the opposite. I will say this. I'm an actual, and I'm slightly proud of this whole situation. So, um, what I did was I said, okay, I need Curry in there, and what I want, what I'm going to be able to do, you know, sort of to cram these guards into my lineup is I'm going Andrew Bogut for super cheap, and I so I went with Bogut, and um, so that was one one spot where I where I took advantage of some value, and the uh, other thing that I was able to do here was use Maurice Spates, who only played 11 minutes but scored 12 points. I'm like get him back in the game but what what they ended up doing was like not pulling Dwight Howard out at the top of the fourth quarter with the rest of the starters he played into the beginning of the fourth which left Bogut in which left Spates out you know which was fine because Bogut was still providing value but I was hoping that you know you would sort of get um you know the you know closer to 18 ish minutes out of out of Mari Spates and then I would have been sitting really pretty in uh in my DFS contest but you know regardless of that uh, I, that's what I tried to do. You know, the total was two thirty, and believe it or not, the the Warriors and the and the, the Rockets covered that two thirty and two thirty. I and think a that's half. the highest. I think that's the highest I've seen all season. Yeah, me too. And um, I, well, I think the no, actually the 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 OKC game on Saturday had two thirty three. I believe. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sick. Wow. So did they yeah. cover that one? No, they. Did. I don't believe they did. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma City the sort of let the wheels fall off there at the very end. Um, but yeah, that's the only two times I've seen them touch two thirty, and it's like you know two of the what the f- three or four highest paced teams in the league. The only way the total gets higher than that is if um, the Warriors play the Sacramento Kings because <laughs> the Kings are coughing up like one thirty a night to every opponent. It's really insane. Oh, yeah, so. Right. Sacramento Kings are the third uh, highest scoring team in the NBA, mm-hmm. and their record certainly does not denote that. So that tells you how many points they're giving up. One thing I want to focus on in particular that you haven't touched on already, Josh, here, and then we'll uh, move into some breaking news and notes, is the power forward position for the Houston Rockets. Last night you have Corey Brewer start at power forward. You had mm-hmm. a move over to small forward or, or stay at small forward, rather. Uh, Brewer is a shooting guard on a lot of sites, and I'm looking uh-huh. at ESPN's box score right now, and uh, Brewer is listed as a shooting guard. What that means, though, is that you're not starting Clint Capella, you're not starting uh, Jones, and you're not starting Montrez Harrell. What do you think about that? I guess, I mean, it's a small ball lineup. Are they just trying to compete with the Warriors, or what's a long-term play at power forward for the uh, for the Rockets? Yeah, the good question is I think the answer for the short term, at least with BJ Bakerstaff, is it's going to be a work in progress and a, and a matchup play. So some days you're going to see Clint Capella there against some some bigger bigs. Some days you'll see um, them to go smaller with the Ariza. I, it, this is sort of trying to rip a page out of the Golden State Warriors book, which is play an athletic four in your lineup um, as long as he's like a sufficient rebounder and sort of try to create more pace and mismatches against bigs. When the Warriors problem, the difference is is there's only one Draymond green in the league you know who's able to to be an elite assist man rebound defend his position against any size power forward small or big and um you know play inside outside hit threes and run the floor 
everybody else is trying to replicate it with much worse versions of Draymond Green and and guys who are threes who've never really played well out of position uh, like Draymond Green has. So the Warriors have actually been playing Draymond Green like in this sort of role out of position um, for as long as he's been a warrior, believe it or not. But some of it has just been coming off the bench and it's worked. And so everybody else is trying to copycat it and it's, they, they don't have the personnel so they can't do, do it the same justice. Yeah. I will say Terrence Jones is dealing with that concussion. And so usually he slotted into the power forward slot, but they've never really been high on him. I mean, it's it just like been openly, not really that high on Terrence Jones and yeah. rightly, rightly so. I suppose he can have a nice scoring outbreak, but uh, he's not a long-term s- solution for them by any any means uh, and they've been very clear about that uh josh that'll do it for the recap of tuesday's games hope you enjoyed it a lot of good information coming there from josh uh we're going to move into some breaking news and notes that are coming across the wire this wednesday morning and we'll hopefully get, hopefully get you ready for your wednesday night contest or your season-long leagues as well uh, essentially what I'm doing here, uh, if you've heard the podcast before, I'm just reading off our website, rotowire.com. And if you'd like to check out these notes, breaking news and notes, of course, we have rankings, draft optimizers, lineup optimizers, everything you could ever want. If you're going to play on DraftKings or your season-long NBA leagues, you can go get those free 10 days of access at rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's rotowire.com forward slash P-O-D. Now, let's kick it off here. Tayshawn Prince will be attending Chauncey Billups' jersey retirement Wednesday night, which means he will not be available to play for the Timberwolves when they, when they, when they, play, when they play Wednesday. I mean, is this, is this real life? Like, is this happening? Is this happening right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what to say personally, but like, doesn't that seem like a, a, a fair amount of venom and haterade when you go that far in advance to sort of like say, yeah, we don't want this guy in the lineup or he won't be there. You know, I was just a little bit put off by the situation, but I uh, also am not sort of surprised with anything that happens in the NBA news wise anymore. So, um, yeah, uh, I just. He's a starter for the Timberwolves, and he's just going to miss a game to go to a jersey retirement. I just, it just shows me that, he one, he shouldn't be a starter. Two, maybe he shouldn't even be in the league. Maybe he should be an assistant coach right now. I, well, I, you know, if you're willing you know just, I also heard a, uh, a rumor that next Friday he's going to um, um, miss Friday's contest uh, to, to schedule his uh, $30,000 mile service uh, for, for his Escalade. So, you know, you, you got to keep it. <laughs> Keep up with the maintenance. Otherwise, you know, that stuff can fall off the rails. Seriously, it's a slippery slope, Minnesota. He's going to be asking out for dentist appointments, service checkups, like you said. I know. He's got the, like, he's got the, he's got the sniffles, need to take the week off. Cousins, uh, bar mitzvah. You're yep, just like, yeah, you know. It's a slippery slope, Minnesota. Slippery spring slope. training and to go visit the, the Brewers in, in Tempe or whatever they play. You know, <laughs> just like, yeah. All right. Now now to some actual injury news where people are dealing with real absences. Coach Fred Hoiberg said that Nikola Miritich with his appendectomy will get his stitches out Wednesday, but he remains out for weeks. Uh, one, one extra thing I just want to add on to that that I've seen, I have seen come across the wire is that I don't think Miritich is even able to sit upright right now. So that should give you a, uh, a timetable for his return. Um, Mike Dunleavy with his back is considered probable for Wednesday's <laughs> matchup with the Hawks. He has moved directly into the 
the starting lineup just two games back um, from not playing at all this season. What do you think about the dynamic of the Chicago Bulls at their small forward power forward slot right now after hearing those two bits of injury uh, news? Uh, well, I guess the only person that's interesting for season long or for any purpose right now is probably Taj Gibson. I just wanted more po- minutes and production out of Bobby Porson, and they're just not giving it to him. Overall, I thought he could sort of fill a Joakim Noah role and get like, you know, 25, 26, 27 minutes and be really, really productive as a guy who, you know, had a really nice summer league and showed a, a wide array of ability to score inside and outside and even hit threes. So it just doesn't really happen for Bobby Portis. So I really just think you can only trust Taj Gibson. And to a lesser extent, that means that you're going to love Pau Gasol um, anytime that he's in a, in a, in a halfway decent to plus matchup uh, for, you know, any of your daily streams, your season long league. So yeah, I would actually be totally comfortable with going out and trading for Pau Gasol because I think that, you know, between Jimmy Butler, Derek Rose being banged up and the issues that they have along the front line, there's just going to be so much usage and so much production coming out of uh, that spot for the Chicago Bulls. There were talks about him trading him. How can they right now and, and still consider themselves viable options uh, as a, as a playoff threat when with the injuries that they have and, you know, the, the front court being this thin, they'd have to get a superstar back in return. And who knows if that would actually happen. Almost blockbusters never happened in the be it's always big salary guy going from a crappy team to a playoff team in return for bits and pieces and salary relief you know with that within 20 percent of the cap so i would be the, shocked and surprised if pagasol moves now given what they have on their roster newly elected to the all-star game he will take jimmy butler's spot uh, let's take a look at the detroit pistons now and one ursan Ilyasova is dealing with an illness and is considered doubtful doubtful for detroit's game against denver on this wednesday now uh his obvious replacement would be either anthony tolliver or aaron baines are you Uh putting any stock in dfs consideration to one of those two guys um i would rather play billy joe tolliver um in my lineup there rather than um anthony tolliver and i actually played anthony tolliver in dfs and cashed one time and then i just realized like the ridiculousness of it all so i actually think that like what will happen is sort of what's been happening with some of these other teams like james anderson starting for the sacramento kings where you're in there but you're really only going to play 15 minutes and you'll probably see more marcus morris who can little who can you know in a, in a pinch swing over to the four and then you get more stanley johnson action who's already already going to be in the lineup for kcp so i would rather pay more attention to marcus morris as a sneaky option for you know to to pick up as a stream or, or for dfs and stanley johnson i'm willing to give another shot even though he had a little bit of a rough go after starting out hot a, a couple games back yeah it's it's quite the situation here you have two of the five starters not going to start i would think that if the you know the five players that are going to see the most time on the court tonight against denver against a bad defense too so this is somebody you know a game you'd normally want to target reggie jackson brandon jennings um stanley johnson at the three move marcus morris down to the four and then andre drummond i think that combination of those five guys will probably see the five uh highest minute totals tonight i really don't know who else would maybe reggie Bull- reggie bullock or anthony tolliver and you know it's it's, it's kind of like a howell netto situation where it doesn't matter if they're in line for a lot of minutes you just need to shy away we'll keep it moving here just a few more tobias harris did not go through shoot around, but he still may have a chance to play Wednesday against the Spurs. Why would he even consider it if you're going into the All Star break? Is is my rationale here, Josh? Yeah, you don't really need to. I don't really understand this other than they just sort of want to uh, see where he's 
where, where he's at in terms of like you know game speed and and health but this is really not a typical pop thing so uh i don't really maybe they just feel like there's a significantly less risk in getting him onto the court for any amount of time um because they have such a big layoff overall and if he feels anything they can just shut it down and go to somebody else on his bench so um, pop has always been the most aggressive in terms of resting people. So uh, I guess they'll, you know, if they actually feel like he's good enough to get into, get some minutes, then uh, they must trust that, that situation on some level. But, you know, regardless of that, I don't, I don't ever play anybody on the Spurs um, almost anywhere, anytime for DFS. And I never play against the Spurs because they're maybe the best defensive team. They always play a game in the eighties, you know? So uh, I've used Kawhi Leonard and, Marcus Aldridge, I can count on my hand like a total of less than five times for sure, and that is. And so, aside from anybody else that we're talking about in the Spurs, you, you you should know where where we stand in that aspect. Most definitely. Last last one here, Josh. Uh, probably the biggest one out of all the ones we're discussing today. Tyreek Evans is expected to undergo surgery on his right knee in the near future, which will likely end his season. So. I mean, he's been out for a while now. We've already seen the dynamic. But are we looking at Bryce DeJean Jones as a viable option in season-long leagues for the rest of the year? I actually have a waiver claim on him because I've tr- I um, like uh, decided to ignore the injury news on Tyreek Evans when they were talking about him as a shutdown candidate. And I was like, shutdown candidate? It's February. Okay, and you know, and the and Brow has been healthy for less than half the season. So, um, you know, I was a little bit shocked that it happened, but that's a lesson learned in that situation too. When you have some some injury news, and you you know that like a a guy like all of a sudden um, who pops up on your trade um, queue here as a potential guy, and I knew that this was out there, but I was desperate for assist to turn over to sort of make a move from like third or fourth to first place in my league. It's the one category I've been killed. I ignored the warning signs and said, yes, I'll take Tyreek Evans for Rudy Gay. And now I regret it to no end because I did, I just basically gave away a free Rudy, uh, Rudy Gay. And now I'm hoping that Bryce DeJean Jones actually, I mean, first of all, he's got to get extended past the 10 day contract. I don't even know if that's happened yet. Do you, do you have any news on that? It's more than likely that he does because you know, Tyreek Evans is all but ruled out for the season, whether or not he has surgery. So um, I think that's what you're going to start making a case for. It's probably only a deep league only play. I don't really trust him for 30 minutes or a consistent level of production anyhow. Right. So currently, Dijon Jones, who's starting for the New Orleans Pelicans, he's just a starter, you know, is still on his second 10-day contract. So the Pelicans um, coming up in the near future here, I believe. I'm trying to get the exact dates on these contracts. Um Looks like he has – oh, yeah, it should be running out any day now. Um, so within the next couple of days, I would say by Friday, um, the Pelicans need to decide whether they're going to sign him for the rest of the season or let him go. So it's a very real possibility that he won't even be a member of this team uh, within the next 24 hours, 48 hours. So something to consider. Maybe don't give up too much until the Pelicans commit to him. I mean, let's just say that they don't commit to him. I mean, we still have to get somebody off the bench. Who are we even looking at? Drew Holiday is coming off the bench. Norris mm-hmm. Cole has been starting for them. We're yeah. talking Tony Douglas, Alonjo G is the rest of the guys that are healthy. Um, but I'm assuming you're still going to stay away, even though they're probably going to be coming to an at least 20 minutes per night. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not interested in anybody outside of Drew or Brow or Ryan Anderson for the most part, unless you're in the deepest of leagues. If you actually lost Tyreek Evans or you have that some sort of that situation there, you probably should just look at making a different trade that will improve the overall roster composition rather than hoping for somebody to like Norris Cole or Bryce John Jones to be a consistent producer because it's more than likely not going to be uh, the case. Good stuff there, Josh. That's going to do it for this entire podcast on this Wednesday. I've been DJ Trainer. You can find me at Trainer DJ. Josh Hayes, you can find him on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS. And of course, I always put that in the show notes. Lasting words of wisdom to go into the rest of the week, Josh. Um, so, a little bit of a preview here. I'm actually putting together a. Um, um, beat the book article for rotowire.com is talking about sports betting here in Vegas. And we've got some, one of my favorite things to always bet. And I, I, I've just make some friendly side bets with my friends, but these, these bets I'll probably fire up in the book here in, in Vegas, um, sometime between now and all-star Saturday night. I, my three team parlay that I love is, uh, as three chalk plays, Isaiah Thomas to win the skills competition, Zach Levine to repeat a Sam dunk champion and Steph Curry to go back to back as a three point contest champion. So, Book those in your books. Talk talk to your uh, your local odds makers, and if you don't have a local odds maker, find us a little shady uh, bookie in an alley, and see if he'll give you some action. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell. I mean, if and if it goes awry, don't come back to us. Uh, we, uh, right, we will not take any blame for that. I like those, Josh. I like those picks as well. I'm going to go JJ Redick. I think he will keep his feet behind the line this year round. I do like Levine to repeat. And mm-hmm. um, sure, I'll go. I'll go Isaiah Thomas in the skills competition. That to me is like the biggest you know shrug of all time. Um, yeah, it's basically who's not too cool for school is going to win. Yeah, because yeah. Well, you see what they also did too. Oh, I don't want to give it away about my article, but like, to just take a look at the roster composition of the skills competition. Okay, if you and you'll you'll see this when it pops up on rotorwire.com, and once it gets posted as an article, I'll make sure I tweet it out because this is actually some interesting stuff. And I'm with you. JJ Reddick is actually my value bet. I come up with like a, a lock chalk option and, and a value bet, and JJ Reddick at plus five hundred is looking pretty juicy. But I just don't. I think Steph Curry is undeniable right now. But we, we can talk about that when it when it all happens uh, next week. Uh, once we've uh, re- resumed uh, into regular season fantasy NBA action, we'll have All Star Saturday Night completed, and we can and you can sort of um, you know troll me or congratulate me for some of the picks that I made in this article. Hopefully, this article posts on Friday. I think we're looking for it as a tentative uh, date, so it's going to be called "Beating the Book." All right, and as Josh said, he's going to tweet it out when it does become available, and the RotoWire web uh, Twitter account might do that as well. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks very much for joining us. Please enjoy All Star Weekend. I know I always do, and the rest of us here, uh, we're going to be you know getting together, watching it, and we'll see if Josh is right or wrong. Can't wait. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Pace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.